Let's make today the day you get one step closer to becoming the parent you've always wanted to be and the parent your children deserve. Welcome to Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. I am your host, Erin Taylor, and I have wanted to help parents and children literally since I was 11 years old. I created this podcast to help you make a stronger, healthier, deeper connection to your child, to understand the inevitable challenges a little better, and learn some new ways to navigate them when they occur. Thank you for spending some time with me. Now let's get this show started. Hello and welcome back to the show. Today is episode 649 and I am really excited to chat with my new friend, Chris Larson. Chris is the founder and managing partner of Next Level Income. Chris has been investing in and managing real estate for over 20 years While still a college student, he bought his first rental property at age 21. Chris then expanded into development, private lending, buying distressed debt, as well as commercial offices, and ultimately syndicating multifamily properties. He began syndicating deals in 2016 and has been actively involved in over $500 million of real estate acquisitions. Chris is passionate about helping investors become financially independent. And today we're going to talk about how to help our kids become financially independent. Welcome to the show, Chris. Aaron, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. We have so much to cover here in our chat. As we were uh, talking right before I hit the record button, you brought up so many, so many cool things that I think are really important for my listeners and their kiddos. So why don't we start by having you tell my listeners a little bit about your origin story and how you came to be doing what you do now. Yeah, and I'd be happy to, Aaron. Um, You know, it's kind of cool. We grew up not too far from each other. And I tell a little bit more in-depth story and talk about like our investment strategy in my book. So if you're listening today, you can get a copy. You can check it out nextlevelincome.com. There's a book link there. You put your address in, I'll even send you a copy. Um, But I talk about my book, um, something that was very impactful in my life. I lost my father when I was five years old. Um, He was only 41 years old. And it, you know, I was fortunate that my mother remarried, had a wonderful stepfather. Um, They, they taught me about saving they taught me, especially my mother, good, good study habits. She was uh, a teacher herself. So she really ingrained, you know, kind of like those traditional values. But I did not get a lot of the, you know, the, the more complex um, money lessons that, you know, we're going to talk about today. So I, I got into college. My passion was racing bicycles. I went to Virginia Tech. Um, I was pretty good at math and I really like science. I really like physiology. I was racing my bike from the age of 14. And I wanted to be a physiologist. I ended up going to school for biomechanical engineering, which I did not enjoy, but <laughs> I struggled through it. I thought it would be, um, it'd be good to get um, an engineering degree because what I really wanted to do was race my bike. So all I, I, I'd go to class as, as uh, little as possible and I would ride my bike as much as possible. And I did that until... 
uh, my junior year of college. And the reason I, I quit racing is my best friend passed away at that point. Um, he was only 18 years of age. I raced another year. And then I, I just remember I, was, I won his memorial race for the second time in a row. And I came across the line and it, it felt meaningless to me. I just remember thinking how, how kind of silly it was to be riding my bike around in a circle when there was so much more to life. And I went back to college. I, I quit racing. And then I was really kind of adrift at sea, if you will, because I, the thing I'd done for at that point, about six years, my, really my entire adult life raced my bike. I, I wasn't doing anymore. And here I was a junior engineering student. I didn't want to be an engineer either. What I really wanted to do was live life to the fullest. And I realized that to do that, you have to have financial security in life. And this was when the stock market was just tearing in the late nineties. So I, I poured myself into learning as much as I could about investing in the stock market, ultimately investing in real estate. I read over 250 books on the subject. As you wow. mentioned, bought my first property at 21. It's funny, we're talking about like money lessons for kids. I feel like, you know, at this point, if I met a 21 year old, I'd probably call them a kid. Um, but I'd love to share, you know, kind of some of the lessons I learned along the way and some stuff that we now uh, teach our kids. And we also teach, you know, some of the uh, younger children in the local community here as well. Well, I would love to hear more. I want to hear more, more, more. <laughs> um, so, you know, what we do, like with my company now, we invest and we help other investors invest in commercial real estate, you know, passive projects so they can, they can get involved and really help them on their journey towards financial independence. But a lot of the people I work with, Aaron, they're already accredited investors. So these are people, typically high-income professionals, they're making two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars or more. And I, I have the, the pleasure of speaking to these people. But then what I realized several years ago was that a lot of people would call me and say, hey, like, I don't know where to get started. And that's, that's the reason we started our website, Next Level Income. And then I also realized that, you know, there, as we, we now have children, they're 10 and 12 year old boys, actually 12 next week. And I thought, all right, how do we start teaching our children some of the lessons that they don't teach in school? So I put together really five steps that you can use today to help your children, whether they're five years old or 15 years old, or even 25 years old, that can help get them to the point where they're financially literate and ultimately make money comfortable and a tool to get more out of your life. Mm. So let's, can we dive in a little bit to those five things? Yeah. So, and again, there is, um, I think if, uh, if you want to share this with the audience, if you go to nextlevelincome.com slash kids, nextlevelincome.com slash kids, um, you have a nice infographic that goes along with this. But really the, the first thing I talk about is starting bank accounts for your kids. But I want to start even before that. The Really the first step in teaching your children about money is having conversations about money, mm -hmm. making it comfortable. So you need to have a reason to talk about money. The reason that I started with was start a bank account. Take your children to the bank. I know it's kind of weird today because like I have on my phone, I have an app and I can deposit checks on my phone. I can send money from my phone. I really don't need to go to the bank. I can wire money for you know a $100 million purchase you know, from my, <laughs> from my computer. It's like, like, why do I need to go to the bank? We can sign things on DocuSign. But going to the bank, I think, is important because children can see and learn about it. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, staring at a screen, it's a little abstract. So mm -hmm. the first thing we did was we started bank accounts for our kids. And we talked about why 
we have bank accounts. If you go into the bank, you can do what's called a custodian account. If you're not familiar with this, you can walk into your local uh, bank branch and ask them about it. And they'll, they'll very easily help get that set up um, for your children. And then you start talking to your children about, you know, what, what work is, you know, how, how they get, you know, how do you get money? So that really leads into the second part of this process. That's so exciting. I uh, remember opening, well, I would say I opened the bank accounts for our kids when they were babies. So they don't remember right. <laughs> having yeah. them open, but certainly they ate plenty of lollipops when we took trips to the bank to deposit Absolutely. their birthday money. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, and I still remember those little dum-dums that you get. And I feel like they were bigger back then. Like, do yeah. you, you feel like that? Yes. I felt like they were, you know, yes. like the, the size of a quarter. Now I feel like they're the size of a dime and maybe, yeah. maybe they, maybe they weren't that big. Maybe they were, I don't know. It seems like everything shrinks. Um, so that's a great point, Aaron. So let's say you already have a bank account for your kids. So now let's, let's make it, let's make a reason to go to the bank and teach your children about like, like why you would do that. So step two in the process, pay your children. So, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I give my child, ch children an allowance or I pay them for grades. What I call it is a salary. So we pay our children, pay our boys a dollar a day. That's their salary. So they get that. We actually got, oh, and I have it. It's, uh, it's downstairs with, with my boys, but it's called an accounting ledger. And there's a link in the infographic here that you can click on. And they're, they're cheap. They're like $10 or less. But I mean, how many people that are listening have a checkbook that you balance every month? Like, I don't know many people. I don't know. Do you balance a checkbook every month there? Yes, I'm very old fashioned. All right. There you go. Because you like, that's what we used to do, right? You know, I have, I balance it. I balance it electronically, but I still balance that. So, you know, it's, it's hard. Your kids, like, they're not going to have a checkbook. They're not running checks, but an accounting ledger. You can put in there how much they get every week. The other thing you can do is you can use this as a carrot and a stick. So like, let's say they leave the lights on and you're like, I really want you to turn the lights off. My boys, if they leave the lights on, they lose their dollar for the day. You know, if they don't do their laundry, if they're disrespectful to their mother, then they can lose their, their allowance or their salary. You know, if you don't do your job, then you're not going to get paid, right? If you don't show up to work, you're either going to get fired or they're just not going to pay you for those hours. So I think it's, it's kind of neat to do, to do that. Now, here's a bonus. If you have a business, you might be interested to know, some people might know this already, but the IRS typically says, once children are about eight years old, and even younger, if they're doing things like modeling, you can legitimately pay your children as employees of your business to do things. My son didn't have school yesterday. You know, we were wrapping up spring break. Um, I'm sorry, winter break. And he didn't, he had the day off. So you know what he did? He, he washed and detailed my car for me. Now, if I pay somebody to wash and detail my car, it might be two or $300. So it's entirely reasonable for me to pay my son. Maybe I don't pay him two or $300. Maybe I pay him a hundred dollars for that. But what we do is when, when he makes that money, that money doesn't actually go into his banking account, his bank account. It goes into an investment account. And that's step three is teach your children about investing. That is so important. Uh, we, we were just looking at my daughter's. My daughter is 16. And we were just looking at her bank account. And she just saves all of her money when she works in the summers. Awesome. And um, she had built up around $5,000 in her savings account. And we were looking at it the other day and thinking... 
she doesn't need $5,000 in cash and she's young. She should be investing this. She already does have, they all have investment accounts anyway. Um, and we, we had been giving them one share of stock as a Christmas present, like one of their Christmas oh, awesome. presents. Yeah. But this year we, we gave them a little, you know, computer printed certificate, gift certificate for a hundred dollars to invest in whatever they choose. That's so cool. uh, my husband's a financial it. advisor. And so, you know, I said to them, you have to sit with your advisor and figure out how you want to invest your money. It's so, so, good. I, so anyway, they already have these accounts. But then I was thinking the other day, why is she, why, why are we having her leave $5,000 in a savings account to earn eight cents a month? That's silly. So we talked to her about uh, meeting with her dad and investing this some of her some portion of her money and you know how do you decide how much to invest and then what do you invest it in and i remember her saying i'm 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 a little hesitant to invest my money you know a big chunk of my money because there's no guarantee on it and you know we talked through that and of course there's no guarantee and that's a legitimate concern but that's not a reason not to do it and you're so young you should be doing it. Yeah. And that's, so if, if, if you are not fortunate enough to have a financial advisor spouse, like you are Aaron, <laughs> then there's some other things that you can do. But before I, I talk about that, you know, I talk about keeping your money in the bank. It's like keeping a piece of fruit in the refrigerator. It will rot. And when your money sits in the bank, it's being eaten away at by inflation. Now I would say inflation today is at least 5%. If you read some of the estimates based upon the way the consumer price index used to be calculated, it's more like 15%. So if you had $100 in the bank a year ago, today it's worth about $85 compared to what, where it was a year ago. So if you're not investing, your money is literally rotting away. It's just, it's just going away. Just like a piece of fruit, the longer you let yes. it sit there, the less good it is. So first off, Think about that and understand that if your money's not growing, then it's shrinking. Number two, how do you teach your children that? So a real simple thing. The first thing we did, we go to the bank and our family rule is save 50%. Now that might seem daunting to a lot of people. That's why the next level income strategy starts with make more money, get to the point where you're making enough that you can actually save that much. And the earlier you start, the better. And if you can't get there, help your kids get there. So my boys, let's say they made $30 in their monthly salary, right? We go to the bank at the end of each month. Now we, we took a little break during COVID, but we go to the bank at each end of each month. And I'd say, all right. I said, the goal is to save 50%. How much do you want to put in the bank? And if they said $15, I would give them another $15 to put that money in the bank. So now that's not, that's not really investing. But it's, it's kind of hard you know, when you're trying to teach a, a five-year-old or a six-year-old about compound interest. So they really, they really got that instant gratification from doing that. Now you got to plan ahead, right? If, you're, if you've got two kids and you're planning on paying them $60, $30 each, then you got to put a, a little bit aside. And sometimes I got pleasantly surprised, whereas like one of my sons, because they get competitive, would get, say, $100 for their birthday. And they're like, I'm going to put a whole $100 in the bank. So now I got to pony up $100. So <laughs> you, have to be, you have to be careful what, you, <laughs> what your rules are. Um, but that's a really easy way to teach a young child how to, quote unquote, invest you know, by matching their savings. It's kind of like matching a 401k. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you guys are going down a terrific track with your, your teenager, Aaron. Once your daughter or son, once your child is making money, once they're being paid, they can start a Roth IRA. A Roth IRA has a lot of different benefits. Again, there's a link. Um, actually, I don't have a link in the uh, infographic, but there's some information in there. It talks about what we specifically do. Um, my first investment account was with Vanguard back in college. And that's where we started our kit, our, um, our Roth IRAs for our boys. And then every month I signed up for the paper statements. So they get an envelope that comes in the mail with their name on it. Mm-hmm. They open it up. And what's neat is now after doing this for three or four years, they are actually making more typically in a month from the growth in their investments than they do from their quote unquote salary. So, you know, they might make $50 in the growth on their investments, whereas they're only earning $30 a month, um, you know, from their, their quote unquote day-to-day job when they do that. Very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. So let's say you're listening. You're like, I'm, I'm doing all those things. Like, what do you, what do you do? So we've kind of gone through, you know, finance 101 for your children. My son, I mentioned he was out of school yesterday. He came to the gym with me. Well, four years ago, my boys came to me and said, hey, dad, we want to make some money. So we were walking up to the bakery one Sunday morning and they're talking about like making money. They're like, can we start a lemonade stand? I was like, well, okay, let's talk about that. And I said, okay, that's, that's a great idea. Like you want to you start a little business to make some money. And I said, why don't we come up with 10 ideas for how you guys can make money? And I was telling them how the day before I was in the gym and I needed a jump rope, but I couldn't find the right size. And I was like, I sure wish somebody was there selling jump ropes because the gym didn't sell jump ropes. So they're like, we could, we could sell jump ropes. So we were going we to buy all the pieces and parts and put them together. I helped them out. We sourced some jump ropes directly from the manufacturer. We got these jump ropes shipped for like $4 a piece. We bought 100 jump ropes. So they borrowed the money from me to buy the jump ropes. And then they started selling the jump ropes to the gym for 10 bucks, you know? So now they're, you know, they still have a few left. COVID kind of put the brakes on that a little bit, but my son came with me yesterday and he sold four jump ropes after CrossFit. Wow. Wow. He made $40 because they're way past the point of covering their initial um, expenses Mm -hmm. there. And the cool thing is his brother made $20, even though he was in school because they have this business partnership. So look at, look at ways to start a business, you know, and I talk about, um, you know, kind of the, the different steps that you take um, through doing this. A great resource is um, a book, a website called Kidpreneurs, Kidpreneurs, like entrepreneur, but Kidpreneurs. And they have, I think, like 50 different ways that you can um, start a business, you know, with your kids. So again, that's number four. If you're through all these initial steps, have your kids start a business and teach them so much. That's really cool. I was... Uh, my oldest son is in college right now and we didn't know this when he, when he decided on that school, but he found out in the fall, you know, as soon as he started classes, they have this because he's a business major. So they have this program in the school where all the business majors have to, you know, break into project groups for the whole school year in freshman year. And they have to put together a business plan. They have to come up with an idea, put together a business plan. The school gives them a little bit of funding, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars, whatever, to purchase the materials for whatever they're going to sell. And then they sell the stuff on campus. So it might be like one 
team had like um, uh, iPod covers with the yeah. name of the school. Another team was doing t-shirts and some other team was doing certain kind of water bottles. So they would source the material, find the best cost, you know, the lowest cost for the best quality. And then how much are we going to sell them for? And what's our marketing plan? And what are we going to do? And then the winning team gets put into this incubator program in the school where they have access to all the professors on campus, whether it's English, English professors, marketing professors, if they need engineering help for their idea. And then they get like some real seed money, a couple thousand dollars to start something. And awesome. I thought that was such a cool idea. Wow. It's very cool. That's so, so great cool. to hear. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of the things like, if you look at the, the the billionaires, they're entrepreneurs. You know, there are there are random people out there. Um, you know, but like like a Warren Buffett, he's buying businesses. Like even somebody like that, people that are investors and do these things, they're still entrepreneurs. Those are the people that create true wealth in this world. I think it's such a valuable skill. And the other thing you have to learn when you start a business, you know, you have to learn communication, you have to learn sales, you have to so much. You know, put together a, a business plan. You know, we talked about the the accounting ledger, like accounting and. You know, my boys had to figure out like, how am I going to get the initial, you know, a couple hundred dollars for these jump ropes, you know, that, that they're buying. Um, so that's, you know, it's lending and financing and, you know, all these little things that you learn and pick up along the way. And you can start very young with your children to, to do those things, especially in today's world. There's YouTube things on everything, it seems. There certainly is. Yeah. That's so cool. But, you know, I also read, uh, I read about a woman who worked, you know, as like a, like a lunch lady in a school for her whole life, very modest lifestyle, modest home, modest, everything, overly modest salary. And she just lived below her means, saved a portion of her check every week, every two weeks or whenever she got paid. And by the end of her near the end of her life when she was well into retirement and stuff, she had amassed enough investments to be able to donate money to all these charities that meant a lot to her and fund scholarships for kids in the school where she worked and all this cool stuff. So I love that story because it doesn't even matter. You don't have to be Warren Buffett. You can be if you make it there, but you can be a cafeteria lunch lady and still do amazing things and teach your kids amazing things. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the key is the key is the discipline, like you mentioned, Aaron. Oh, you know, if you have that yes. plan and the discipline, and that's why a financial advisor is so important. And people say, oh, you know, financial advisor, you know, this is, this is their fee. Advisors typically earn their clients two to three times what their fee is in returns. And most of it, if they're a coach, most of it is, is keeping their clients <laughs> on track because oh, yes. human financial psychology, most people underperform the market because they don't have somebody that's there helping keep them on track and do that. So that's so important. It's that discipline. It doesn't take a lot of money to make it happen. No. And it is important to make sure you're looking at those things like life insurance, long, long-term care insurance, or all these different things that we don't 
necessarily encounter or think about in our day-to-day lives, but it's important to consider them and see if that is a good choice for your family. And then the more you learn as a parent, the more you can teach your kids. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And look, I'll tell tell you a quick um, personal story. My father passed away when I was five. He accidentally had two life insurance policies at the time. And part of that uh, benefit was that my my sister and I had a modest amount, but we had I worked I worked during college. I got scholarships. I got in state tuition, but I was able to come out of college with an MBA because I worked through my MBA. I got paid. I had no debt when I came out of college, mm-hmm. so you know that that it wasn't necessarily enough life insurance. I mean, I talked about in my book, you know, being on Social Security and you know just the modest lifestyle we lived. But my mother was disciplined and kept that money set aside. So that we had that. I'm actually a licensed life insurance agent. And if you're if you're listening to this, if you're already investing and doing things, we have a specific section talking about something we call the investment optimizer on my website under the banking page. It's where you can really supercharge your investments, especially if you're into something like real estate. But it's it's an amazing tool that a lot of people can use. And a lot of people don't know this. Like before 401ks and mutual funds, the main vehicle for savings in this country was life insurance. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we didn't, get to, we didn't get to the fifth step and we started, but you started talking about it. It's teach your, co- teach, I'm sorry, teach your children the true value, but also the true cost of college. Mm-hmm. So this is something that um, has become, you know, when, when you and I went to college, Aaron, it was, it was a pretty easy financial decision for most people. You know, you hear the statistic that, hey, if you go to college, you're going to earn a million more during your lifetime than somebody that doesn't <laughs> go to college. Here's the thing they don't I tell don't you. I don't know about, about that. <laughs> well, here's the thing they don't tell you. If you just invested the money you pay for college, you'd have a million and a half dollars. Right. <laughs> so would you rather have your four, five, six years back and more money? Or would you rather take those four years and do that? You have to understand the true cost of college, the investment of time and the investment of those resources. So we don't have 529 plans. I'm actually not a big fan of qualified plans at all because a qualified plan is a bet that you're either going to make less money in the future or taxes are going to be lower in the future. So who wants to make less money in the future? You guys can raise your hands. And then who thinks the taxes are going down when we're running trillion dollar deficits? So if you say no to either of those things, you really have to question your qualified plans and 529 plans are qualified plans. So what we do, we actually use the the cash value life insurance to set aside money that our children can then use for college. So the big goal though, as I talk about, is you need to understand the return on investment in college. So if your children are going to college, and look, I think it's a I think it's a great thing, but my older son, he says, you know what he wants to go to college for? What? Lacrosse. I'm like, I'm not, we're not paying $200,000 for you to play lacrosse. Yeah, I hope he gets a scholarship, right? My younger son, he already knows at eight years old, he wants, to, he wants to be an engineer and design cars. Now, maybe he can figure that out on YouTube and classes, but he probably was going to benefit from going to college I think and so. seeing that. And, you know, so he's, he's really into that, you know, STEM degrees, especially if your children are, are good at math and science and, and really um, find interest in that, then that has a lot of value. Mm-hmm. If your child isn't sure what to do, you know, consider some of the other options out there, you know, whether that's how to fund college, in-state tuition, like I did looking for programs. Part of the reason I got that engineering degree, Aaron, is because I got in-state tuition 
for getting that degree. Whereas a, a, a physiology degree, I would have had to pay three or four times what Oof. I paid. So I had to work harder, but I also paid a lot less for that degree. And mm -hmm. I, I basically learned the same stuff. I just had to take a lot more math and some more challenging courses, um, which at the time I didn't really enjoy, but I certainly appreciated the, the financial benefit. So again, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't even understand what, what return on investment means, educate yourself. There's a ton of resources out there. I went to Virginia Tech. They actually talk about the return on the investment in colleges. And a lot of colleges recognize this as well. So, you know, I, I hear parents say, oh, you just, you know, my, my kid's going to go to college. They don't know what they're going to do, but it's, it's important that they go. Well, you know, saddling, saddling somebody with six figures of debt, if they're not really sure, that, that might not always be the best thing. So some people might think this is a little controversial and that's good. I'm challenging you to think through the process and weigh the value versus the cost. And what we started, we started talking about kind of the, you know, the basics of money, but ultimately, just like your, your daughter said, Aaron, investing is about risk and return. And college mm -hmm. is a risk. It's a risk of your time and your money based upon what you think is going to be a future return. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're interested in investing, you certainly should be interested in figuring out the risk and return on your children going to college. And, you know, the college thing, I've had so many conversations about college versus not college and how there's such a, uh, a vacuum, such a such a large number of vacancies in um, apprenticeships for different trades. And right. it doesn't seem to me that most high schools are pushing any kind of trade. They're just pushing SATs and AP classes and college and college and college. And there's so much opportunity out there, especially for kids who like to work with their hands, yeah. who like to build things, who like to fix things. There's so much opportunity there. And so college doesn't even have to be the only option. It, it's just not. Right. And I always tell people, if you drive by, if you drive through an affluent neighborhood and you look in the driveways, oftentimes you will see a commercial truck because the owner of that business lives in that house. Yeah. Yeah. Like the millionaire next door. Um, and again, that's my point. It's like, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of, again, like my younger son, there's a lot of benefit for a lot of people going to college. You, you Absolutely. get a lot of benefit. However, I think pushing children that might not be well-suited for, mm -hmm. you know, for some of those degrees, some of those jobs and, and not well-suited, but they might have an interest elsewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, we, we don't have to push kids towards that. And I was talking to um, uh, a, a, a friend of a friend that came on a trip. We took a three-week trip down the Grand Canyon a few years ago. He's a personal trainer. And we were having this discussion after the trip, talking, to, and he said, everybody's better off going to college. I said, well, could you have started your business without a degree? And he kind of reluctantly said, well, well, yeah. I said, well, how long were you in college? He said, five years. And of course, he accumulated debt while he was in college. I said, so tell me, if you started your business five years sooner, do you think you'd be ahead of where you are now? And he said, yes. And I said, well, if you didn't go to college, would you have less debt? And he said, yes. And of course, he learned some things that helped him in that business, but he certainly could have taken you know, some different courses and other stuff on the side or from community college at, at a far less cost. And when I say cost, it's not just the financial cost. 
five years is a long time. That's a big part of the wage gap with men and women. And it's the time that women take out of the workforce to, to have families. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but my point is if you remove yourself from the workforce, whether it's at the beginning of your career, going to college or in the middle of your career, taking time off for kids, whether you're a man or a woman, you know, there's, there's a real cost to that from career advancement in the business, you know, that you're building. And again, this is, this is a big part of what I'm talking about with, you know, risk and return. And how do you, how do you weigh that for your kids? So if your, if your child's not sure what to do, you know, maybe they go and they, they start a business or they, they start a trade. And as they progress, maybe they say, Hey, I want to go back to college. Um, but I mean, even coding, you can learn without going to, to school now. And coders make very healthy six figure oh, incomes. Yes. Um, so it's, again, there's, there's so many different opportunities out there. And it reminds me of a conversation I had uh, with the younger gentleman. He said, everybody should have access to an affordable education. And I held up my phone. And I said, everybody does now. You know, it's amazing. We can go on YouTube. And my son, my son started a YouTube channel, 10-year-old son. I was awesome. like, how did you start a YouTube channel? He's like, oh, I just looked up on YouTube how to do a YouTube channel. <laughs> I love it. So it's pretty wild what you can learn now. Um, but, uh, and hey, if, you, if you're listening, you're like, Chris, you're crazy. Shoot me an email. Tell me what you think. I'd love to hear, love to hear feedback. You're always trying to figure out ways that we can improve the financial literacy and the ability and success of people out there. And I think one of the overarching messages that I'm hearing from you is it, it's not so important which decision you make with your kids or for your own self. The most important thing is that you learn, get educated, educate your kids, and have these really important conversations. That's, that's exactly right. That's the that's crucial exactly piece right. of the whole puzzle. Yeah. That's, oh, that's, that you say it perfectly, Aaron, you know, it's really understanding, you know, kind of, well, first off, like what's your why and figuring out again, it's not, if you go to college, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to college. I, I don't think I've said that. Um, but it's, it's, Hey, understanding, you know, why you would do that. You know, Aaron, I think it's really basically just like you were saying with your daughter, you know, it, ignorance leads to anxiety. You know, if we, whether it's walking into a dark room or, you know, like your daughter's like, I don't like, there's no guarantees with my money. And that's why I put these five steps together. Mm -hmm. So if, if some of the things that I said today kind of made you anxious, start with step one, you know, think, you know, think about, you know, when you started a bank account, talk to your kids about money, you know, move on to step two, you know, move on to step three, you know, if the, the whole business thing is kind of like a bonus, like if you want your kids to start a business, but if your kid comes in and says, Hey, I want to make some more money, challenge them. Say, Hey, let's talk about, come up with 10 ways how you can make money. And again, kid, kidpreneurs is a great website. If your kids are young um, to come up with that and work through the process, you know, have those, have those conversations. But one of the biggest financial decisions that you and your children are going to make in their early adult life is college. And that's why I put that in there as well. Um, so again, nextlevelincome.com. We have a uh, hundred podcasts up there. We have lots of blog posts, um, lots of resources. It's all free, help you become more comfortable, you know, not only with money, but also these conversations like we're talking about today. And ultimately, not only can you become better with money, but you can also help put your children on the path to do so as well. And that is an exponential impact you'll be making in their lives. And the world. 
and the world. So thank you so much for this time, Chris. I really enjoyed chatting with you and hearing all these great ideas. And I, I kind of have a feeling that when my listeners hear our conversation today, they're going to have ideas popping off in all different directions. So I'm excited to see what comes of it for them. Me too. And Aaron, thank you so much for having me on here. It's great to, great to see you today. Yes. And I will put all of the links in the show notes for everyone to check out all the links that you mentioned. And I hope that we will cross paths again soon. Me too. All right. That wraps up today's episode. Wherever you are in this world, I hope you make it a very informed day for yourself. That wraps up this episode of Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. If you know anyone who could benefit from this episode or this podcast in general, please share it with them. Also, I always love hearing feedback from my listeners. I welcome you to send me an email to Aaron at Aaron-Taylor.com if you have any comments or questions that come up for you in an episode. Our children are our future. Parenting them is the most sacred task we will ever be asked to do. It truly does take a village to raise a child. Let's help each other to raise our children to be who it is they are meant to be. If at any point you feel like you need a little extra help and support, reach out to me. I am here to help you.